Hello, Marvelites. You are listening to Marvel's The Pull List for new comics out Wednesday, November 21st, 2018. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Tucker Chet Marcus, the first Kiwis Mundi. I've said that before on the show. Yeah, you have. <laughs> Terrific. And if you're just joining us, we're going to run through all the new comics out this week. Single issues, print issues, digital, all that good stuff. First thing, Tucker, have you seen Mandy? Oh, man. You know, I haven't. I haven't, but I want to so badly. I have like a, one of these monthly subscriptions to a certain movie theater, and it's not playing at that movie theater. But I might go down to the Angelica which is like a classic, iconic indie theater here in New York City and and see it because I feel like I think they're playing it there. But, oh, man, do I want to so bad. I purchased it on VOD. Okay. And the first half is real trippy and weird. Yeah. And the second half is Nicolas Cage unleashed. So wonderful. Oh, that's awesome. And I just bring it up because I was thinking about Nicolas Cage and he's a voice in uh, Into the Spider-Verse. So mm-hmm. it's fun and, and cool. But, man... You are a Nick Cage fan. If you like weird, trippy, strange, horror, crazy movies, this is your jam. You know, I was was watching an interview with Nicolas Cage about the movie, about Mandy, and he said that it was pitched to him like this lead character would be kind of like a, and the quote was, a California Klaus Kinski, um, which is really interesting. And I bring that up because on Friday night, a movie I did watch was, for a few dollars more, I spent the night at home alone in the darkness, giggling and hooting and hollering about how much I love that movie, just rolling around on the ground because I just love it so much. And Klaus Kinski is in that movie, so it all ties together. What is that in the... the, Second one. The second one. Yeah, yeah. In the, what is it called? The Man With No Name? Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. Oh, so Y'all need to watch those movies, but you also need to read some comic books this week. That was our movie talk segment. Little movie talk, but you had an idea for a little fun thing we're going to do. Yeah, for each book that we talk about, let's just throw it on... Just not literally, but just throw it out there. One word. Like it's the one word challenge. Each book, we're just going to shout out one word, no matter how weird, how specific, whatever it might be, whatever comes to mind. One word that sums up that issue. And then we're going to dig into it. Okay. All right. All right. All right. You're going first. The first book is Astonishing X-Men number 17. And my word is lightning. Ooh. Which doesn't make sense because there's no lightning in the book, (laughs) but there's light. In the book from Dazzler. See, this is what it's Havoc. all about. It's interpretive. This is this is exactly what we're it, Yeah, right. we're doing interpretive dances. You can't see it. <laughs> but this is part five of Until Our Hearts Stop, written by Matthew Rosenberg, pencils by Greg Land, inks by Jay Leiston, colors by Frank Darmada. This is the end of Astonishing X-Men as this sort of rolls into, or just the X-Books roll into the bigger Uncanny X-Men storyline. So this wraps up the story with Havoc, Beast, Warpath, Dazzler, Colossus, and Banshee uh, has this great line. I mean, we, we talk about Matt's dialogue all the time, yeah. but there's this great line. It's, quote, am I supposed to be scared of a guy with truck arms? <laughs> uh, and that is Havoc saying that about a giant sentinel who has his arm ripped off, and then he takes a truck and turns it into his arm, but it's just the best dumb dude line in comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Havoc is so good. And yes, Havoc, you should be scared of a guy with truck arms. <laughs> if you saw a guy with truck arms coming, you'd Come be on. like, uh, may I introduce you to a little Transformer by the name of Devastator? Oh, uh, yeah. He has truck arms. Hello? <laughs> Look, if nothing else, this issue in this storyline, for me, has been a great reminder to everyone that Dazzler is dope. She mm. is fantastic. She's a powerhouse. Uh, and also... You know what? Matt's made me say Havoc's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. It's it's been a great five-issue run and uh as if you needed more reasons to be pumped for Uncanny. Just seeing Matt's work in this uh and this story arc has been fantastic. Yeah. Next book is Cloak and Dagger, the Marvel Digital Originals issue number 3. My word for it is cookies. Ooh, I don't know why. But I got cookies on the brain. <laughs> All right. This is the last issue of this series, written by Dennis Hopeless, with art by David Messina and Elisabetta Dermico. The series has really been about Cloak and Dagger dealing with separation and their, their wild codependent relationship, as well as demons coming back to haunt them in form of this villain called the Grey, who they helped create. It's them, years on, having gone through so much together that they kind of can't even stand being around each other, even though they have to, which I think is a really interesting dynamic. I like where it leaves the characters as well. Nice. All right. First word I'm saying is combos. Like but the, no, the no, 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 no. 
<laughs> I know where you're going. No, just regular old combos. And I'm talking about Doctor Strange. This is issue number eight. It's written by Mark Wade with pencils by Andres Guinaldo and Javier Pina. Inks by Javier Pina and Andy Owens. Colors by Carlos Lopez and letters by VCs Corpetit. And I say that because this book is a really great combination of kind of sorcery and action. Jumping around, fight scene action. And that's something that is is really, really cool to see. And I think it's something that is specific to this hero. We get to see a cool throwdown with Baron Mordo, which is really awesome. But there's also a lot of really kind of personal stuff going on in here for Stephen Strange. It's really awesome to see how far we've come in such a short amount of time with these characters and to see what the different choices and the different consequences of, of this story and, and this issue, how they feel impactful, despite the fact that, you know, it feels so recent that we got to know these characters. But uh, that speaks to the strength of Mark Wade's storytelling and the entire creative team across the board. But of course, Stephen Strange has to go up against his past in a lot of ways, against kind of these other supernatural threats, really awesome monsters. T-Rexy, what, what would you say? What would you say that that guy is right there? What kind of combo is that? Oh, that's a dino snake. Di- I think that's perfect. Yeah. That's a perfect way to say it. Dino snake combo in here does not sound delicious. It kind of looks like if you've played, and I, I don't think you have, the God of War game. You know what? I have. You have? Like, I'm talking like the original. No, like, I'm talking about the new one, the okay, one that okay. came out this year. Okay, I'm talking the original that came out like 15 years ago. No, maybe. in, in yeah. the, the current one, there's the World Serpent, yes. German Gunder, I think that's how you pronounce it, and it kind of almost looks a little bit like that. Um, going back to the start of your talk about that, you mentioned combos. Did you know we had uh, a deal with the snack combos yeah. way back in the day and had a combo man? If you Google in the books, yeah, combo oh. man. It was really an ad, but it was literally like right. all the pieces of the different heroes <laughs> together to make combo man. You can wow, yeah. It was in a lot of comics as, in my childhood, and I oh. remember it. I want, I want a combo man renaissance. Yeah. We got to get in touch with everyone we know that writes books right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. My next book is Immortal Hulk number nine. And it is one of my picks of the week. And my word, I'm all right. Since you built this game, mm-hmm. and you're the creator and arbiter of the rules, can I have a word yes. that isn't slurge? <laughs> slurge is oh, yeah. my word. Uh, oh yeah. Because particularly for the last page of this issue, there's just a slurge, and just <laughs> uh, it is. Something else. Uh, this is written by Al Ewing with art by Martin Simmons on the Crusher Creel pages, Joe Bennett on the Hulk pages, with Roy Jose also helping out with inks on the Hulk pages and Paul Mounts on colors there, and letters by VCs Corey Petit. Man, woo! First up, I just got to give a shout out to old Alex Ross for the festive holiday red and green cover yeah. of Hulk and Absorbing Man fighting, and they, that's the one of the interesting things, is Absorbing Man is bright red on this cover. And I was looking at it before I started reading I was like, what's happening? Mm-hmm. I don't understand how he's so red, but as you go into this story, you get that. But before we even get to the Crusher Krill stuff, there's a villain in this issue named Bushwhacker. And Bushwhacker can turn, I, used to, I thought he only turned his full arm, but I guess he can turn his fingers into guns. Right. And I don't know why, But he has always caused a visceral, grossed out feeling to me because it like remains this fleshy color and it's like just it looks so odd and it's so cool in the way they do it. They draw him. I hate it. I hate Bushwhacker. I totally agree. We've talked about this once or twice before on the show where it's just like the the flesh weapons is so gross. And we've also talked about the one framed picture downstairs here at Marvel HQ with, is that the same character? No, that that's a different that's weird a, flesh morphing creep. Uh, that is random. Right. The mutant who turns his arm into giant cannons. But yes, he's, we have a picture of random downstairs who is different from Bushwhacker in this issue. Uh, but equally as disturbing. Yeah. A hundred percent. But so that had me grossed out. Bushwhacker just showing up a little bit, but thinking about grossed out feelings and slurge, the final image of this book, <laughs> a page by Bennett and Jose, made me yell out in disgust. Literally, when I got to it, I went, oh, 
<laughs> I like backed up. I was just so grossed out. It is amazing. It is gorgeously illustrated, but it is horrible. I shan't give anything away, but oh boy, so good. Um, there's neat back and forth in this issue as you go from the Simmons pages and those Crusher Creel things. What is neat about the Creel pages, you get a little bit of a vibe of the Christian Ward art from Black Bolt. I think there's a through line from Crusher Creel in Black Bolt, both from the art, but also from the way he's depicted. It feels natural. It feels like, oh, we didn't just pick this character off from the shelf and use him for the story. It was Al's a very thoughtful writer, and he took him, thought about his voice, thought about his experiences, sort of his shifted morality, even if he's still not the best guy. He's also, like, there's times in the situation where he's like, I don't know about this. This like you, you get a sense of he's a more complex character mm-hmm. having gone through what he went through in Black Bolt, which I really appreciate because that run is amazing. But this issue, we get a great throwdown between Absorbing Man and Hulk, but it is very different from their other fights. It also gives us some more insight into what has been going on and in with the Hulk. It's terrific stuff there. If this book is not up for an Eisner Award next year, which is sort of the grand awards for comics i just don't know every issue in and out just continues to be superb completely totally totally agree all right my next word is combos no i'm just kidding (laughs) it's not but it totally could be this is infinity warps ghost panther number one and my real word here is gonna be radical (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, rad dude it's written by Jed McKay with art by Hefte Paolo colors by Jim Campbell and letters by VCs Joe Sabino and I say that because this story tells the tale of T'Challa the T'Challa that we know taking an interesting turn in this warped universe it's something we've been exploring a ton in Infinity Wars and this is maybe the most unique take yet because T'Challa decides to go out on his own and become a motorcycle stunt rider? Driver? Sure. T'Challa becomes Johnny Blaze. He takes on this this new life, this new alter ego. But what I really want to focus on is the art by Hefte Palo. It, it, it has kind of... Um, like an indie vibe in a way, uh, but it's so uh, angular and scratchy and really, really cool. For me, honestly, it ties beautifully into the narrative itself. And what's really cool is when T'Challa, a.k.a. Johnny Blaze here, powers up and becomes the Ghost Panther. He, He has a panther's skull that's on fire, and that is such a cool look. And the way that Hefte puts that together and brings that to life you really feel the kind of fear that that would instill in in the people that are being fought by the ghost panther here it's it's a really really cool uh, again another super unique take here in the infinity warps this was one of almost one of my picks of the week yeah. i sort of wavered between this and my my other pick and hefte actually did art on one of my favorite black panther stories which i wanted to give a shout out to here it's the secret invasion story from 2008 it's black panther and wakanda versus the scrolls this is 2008 it's written by jason aaron wow relatively early in his marvel tenure i think he started in like 2006 or 7 like regularly and hefte palo it's issues 39 through 41 of that i think the series began in 2004 it's the last issues of that run it is so good and to see hefte doing panthery stuff again makes me so happy oh yeah my next book is infinity wars sleepwalker number three and my word is cozy Ooh. because sleepwalker has this little <laughs> cape and uh hoodie business it just looks like you know what He can snooze anywhere he wants. He's always nice and toasty, cozy, feeling good. That's that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So that's that's my word. It is written by Chad Bowers and Chris Sims. Art by Todd Nock. Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. If you think Deadpool breaking the fourth wall is meta, oh boy, this issue (laughs) takes it to the Deadpooleth degree. Deadpool's Deadpool. And is woof. Uh, there's some neat digging into what the Infinity Gems look and feel like and act like and function like within themselves, which I think is really cool. That's here. And the Reality Gem in particular is a hoot. I will not give anything away. Big ups to Todd and the team. Uh, there's a big splash page with 
Man Thing Thang Thum. Oh, yeah. I'll say it again. Man <laughs> Thing Thang Thum, which is wonderful. That's a warp of Man Thing and Fin Fang Thum. And this big splash page is an, uh, like an homage to a certain kind of crisis. If you understand what I mean, then you mm-hmm. understand what I mean. But I think Ben Morse, in particular, former <laughs> host of This Week in Marvel, would lose his noggin at that page. Next up for me is Marvel Knights number two. And the good word here is blindness. Okay, a little bit on the nose. Sure. Some say it's way too on the nose. Others might say it's just accurate. But the story here is by Matthew Rosenberg and Donny Cates with a script by Matt Rosenberg, art by Nico Henry Sean, and letters by VCs Corey Petit. I say that not just because... You know, one of the stars of this book is Matt Murdock, but because the entire story from all of the superheroes perspectives is kind of revolving around the world's lack of ability to see, know anything, uh, the superheroes in this story. It's really, really cool. And we're unraveling the mystery, but getting deeper down the rabbit hole as we go. We left off issue number one with a vision of Karen Page coming to Matt Murdock. Was it a vision? Was it real? I don't know. But to see these characters all kind of spun off in their own ways, it's really, really an interesting way to start the story. Because it, I think the, the more expected way to begin a Marvel Knights, you know, especially an anniversary story, would to be like, here's the gang. The gang's back together again. But it's the complete opposite of that in that, like, all these characters are off in their own different spaces. They've all kind of adjusted to this world that they live in. And they're being forced together because of this strange circumstance where the world has forgotten about superheroes. And when they come together, they clash. Like, no one likes anyone. Everyone is fighting everyone. And so it's not a getting the gang back together story. It is a kind of just a bashing of heads together. I love the scenes between Frank Castle and Matt Murdock because they're kind of after something, but neither of them really know what they're after. And then we get, as we see on the cover here, we get some awesome Electra stuff. I love this characterization of Electra. I think it's so cool. She's so no-nonsense, and she just packs a punch unlike anyone else. The fight there in some ways reminds me of the fight in They Live in just like the ferocity and brutality and like one character just keeps getting up and is like, no, you have to see things my way. And the other one is just like, stop it. Yeah. And like putting you through glass and like all this stuff. It is such a great fight. We always talk about Matt Rosenberg and the ways like he thinks of Punisher fights and building those great action scenes. And so this action scene here Reminds me of that so well. Totally. All right, next book is Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur number 37. And it's my first pick of the week. It sure is. Yeah. I'll give my word and Go then you can it. talk about it. My word is beatniks. Ooh. I don't know why. Nice. That's the word. All right. Coming out of my head. <laughs> it is written by Brandon Moncler, art by Gustavo Duarte, colors by Tamara Bonvalain, letters by VCs Travis Lanham. I think Gustavo Duarte just fits into this creative team and this book and these characters just like a glove. I love seeing his art in here. I love it so much. This is like a, it's a fun holiday issue. It's a fun holiday romp across New York City between Lunella and Devil Dinosaur. It's like a great, delightful tour across a bunch of different iconic New York City landmarks. And there are some really fun, like, holiday-ish little baddies that pop up, which provide like the most fun obstacles along the way. This is such a perfect little delightful holiday read. Every issue of Moon World and Devil Dinosaur for me is just its unique brand of being the best. It's such a fun read. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Moving on. We have Mr. and Mrs. X, number five. It's written by Kelly Thompson with art by Oscar Balzadua, colors by Frank D'Armada, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. My word for this is opera. Ooh, I love sopra. Sopra. (laughs) That's my word is S-O-P-R-A. It's a combination of soap and opera. Ha ha. I made it work (laughs) because it is drama. It is pure drama. 
This is the end of the first arc of Mr. and Mrs. X. And I say opera, I say so because I say that with love. I say that in the best way because this feels like space opera to me. You are cast off into this cosmic corner of the universe. We have gone really far down into this journey with Rogue and Gambit. I think Kelly just understands this relationship so extraordinarily well. I mean, she just gets the heart of it and every single word between these two characters, you know, touches on it and analyzes it in a different way to see how we're kind of climbing the stairs here is really fascinating and really interesting. And, you know, we're just continuing on to kind of bigger and bigger heights. Yeah. Next up is The Punisher. Number four. My word is milkshake. Of course it is. I love a good milkshake. (laughs) But also writer Matt Rosenberg does. This is, I just realized this, the third of at least four Matt Rosenberg issues this week. The dude has been on tour with Ed Brisson, going to a bunch of comic shops up and down the East Coast for Uncanny X-Men. And now he's got a crazy busy Wednesday here. The dude is everywhere. I saw Matt posted a picture of a sandwich he made Ed eat. And it just looked like- Yeah, I saw that too. Like a big hoagie (laughs) bread thing. With French fries. Yeah. You couldn't see anything else in there. It was just like the most carved up thing of all time. I would pass out instantly (laughs) after eating that sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. I had the same exact thought. Yeah. But Matt wrote this. The art is by Simon Kudransky. Colors by Antonio Fabella. Letters by VCs Corey Petit. A little bit earlier, I was talking about Matt writing, you know, fight scenes and Punisher fight scenes. Well, this is has a great example of that. It's not so much the things that he does that we've never seen before, but with Punisher here, we see Castle shooting a grenade and exploding a dude or stacking up bodies to protect himself from a blast. Mm -hmm. It's the intensity of these situations. It's so good. We have Jigsaw in here and another villain plus henchmen in a shootout against Castle in a police station. We have Castle versus a ton of Hydra guys. It all just feels so badass to see Frank Castle in these situations. And Kudrowski does a really neat thing with panel borders in various places in this issue. Some of them are like stitches on Jigsaw's face. Some of them scratchy and dirty. It looks really, really cool. Another great Punisher issue. Next book this week is Shuri number two, which is written by Nnedi Okorafor with art by Leonardo Romero, colors by Jordi Blair, and letters by VCs Josebino. First of all, I just want to say, what a creative team. Oh, man, that is a murderous row of talent. But the word I am choosing for this is decisions. I really love how Nnedi is exploring Shuri here. You know, I was thinking about this book, and I feel like it's just as much about the decisions that Shuri decides not to make, that she says no to. At the end of issue number one, she was kind of offered up the chance to take on the mantle of Black Panther. T'Challa is absent for mysterious reasons. Her choice with that in, you know, it happens in the the opening stages of this book is to say no. And she's going to solve this in her own way. She's going to solve this in her Shuri way. And it's a really, really fascinating exploration of the character that it comes down to because we get a little bit of Aurora Monroe and that's such a cool scene that happens there between like sister and girlfriend from T'Challa's perspective which I always love there's such a unique dynamic and I love the way that that scene plays out so much involved there but then and it's not even just girlfriend right yeah Shuri looks at her as like a friend but also her ex-sister-in-law right right plus T'Challa's current, once again, love. Like there's layers and nuance to that relationship, but there's still love and and closeness. Completely. And like like it is in its own way like a big sister relationship because she looks up to her. You know, she is a force quite literally of nature. So to see them team up in a way and go across Wakanda, that is what I really love here is that we get to explore – the nation of Wakanda on a really personal level, like walking through the streets, talking to people. That's something that Wakanda is such a mythic place. And we have it, you know, built up in all of our minds as like this incredible creation and land. But to really be able to just zoom in all the way and walk through the streets and explore on that level is just 
so fascinating on its own, let alone all the other amazing stuff that's going on here. Yeah, it's an interesting flip to the main Black Panther book Mm -hmm. where that Panther is such a stoic character. This is lighter just simply by Shuri being a just she lights up a room. She's funny. She's younger. She's just there's more pep there in a different way. It's great. Up next is Solo, a Star Wars story adaptation number two. My word is fuzzy. Uh, I'll get to that in a bit. It is written by Robbie Thompson, who is fuzzy. Art by Will (laughs) Sliney. Colors by Federico Blee. And letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. I say fuzzy because I just got stuck on the idea of curling up in the lap of a Wookiee and falling asleep. That would make me so happy. Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah, think about how nice and warm it would be. (laughs) And I'm at home. I have cats and... I'm the one with a warm, fuzzy cat in my lap. Right. I want to be the yeah. warm, fuzzy. Yeah. I want to be the cat sleeping on something's lap. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> anyway, in this issue, it's the adaptation of the film. We get into Han and Chewie joining up with Beckett and the crew, the, the camaraderies, the losses, and we end on a familiar face for Han. Ooh, yeah. Next up is... All right, I'm going to try it. Ready? Spider-Man. Oh, man. You're, uh, <laughs> you're, I won't say you're getting closer every week, but you're putting in the effort. Yeesh. It is that. Uh, Spider-Geddon. Spider-Geddon. Spider-Force number two. Oh, man. It's written by Priest with pencils by Paolo Siquiera, Marcelo Ferreira, and Simone Kudransky with inks by Oren Jr., Roberto Poggi, and Simone Kudransky with colors by Guru AFX and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. I really enjoy this because, you know, when we think Marvel Cosmic, we think like the far mystical reaches of space. This is kind of cool because it's like it's much closer to Earth in a way. It is, you know, we get a little and for a space nerd like me, fantastic space shuttle cameo. Uh, <laughs> there it is. Look at it in all its glory. But it it's not that kind of big, wild out there kind of. Ten Realms Cosmic. It is like a low Earth orbit international space station kind of cosmic, which is really, really cool. So to see Spider-Geddon in that way, brought into that side of things and explored in that way is so much fun, including the dangers that the inheritors bring and the ways that the Spider-Force team responds to this very specific situation and being spider heroes in space, which is kind of like a, a... like a power canceller in a funny way Mm -hmm. is really, really awesome. Uh, Yeah, and like I said, it just works. Yeah. I would say you should read this Spider-Force issue before you read Mm Spider-Geddon this week, which I'll get to why in a second. And the next book is Spider-Geddon. Number four, uh, written, well, it's based on the story by Dan Slott, written by... Hang on. Did I say a word? I don't think I said a word for that. I don't think I said word for Spider-Force because I got too mixed up and said spider again. But I will say the word is nice. Okay, keep going. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> my word for spider again is plumbing, but it was in my head, I will be honest, the first word was clams, which <laughs> I don't know why. And then I went to cephalopods, which makes sense. Yep. And then I went to plumbing. And I landed Ooh. on plumbing. Uh-huh. And I don't know how, but I think a, a cephalopod is smart enough to understand how plumbing works, probably. You know what I got to say to your word? I got to say, Yahoo! Okay, Pretty keep, good. Keep going. Sorry. <laughs> this is you, uh, based on a story by Dan Slott, written by Christos Gage, art by Jorge Molina and Carlo Barberi, Jay Leiston, and Jose Martizan Jr., colors by David Curiel, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So this is nearly it. This is the penultimate issue of the series, and it is a doozy. And again, you should probably read Spider-Force before this, although the end of Spider-Force still takes place before the beginning of this, I think. So there's one more issue of Spider-Force before the beginning of this Mm -hmm. issue, right? Cool. Continuity, (laughs) comics, timing, releases. It's a multiverse. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, this one, it's a doozy. You got lots of bad people getting away with bad things, and... Bad people. My favorite moments in this issue, I think, though, are of Spidey from Marvel, Spider-Man for PlayStation 4. That character in this world, so good. Him meeting the Renew Your Vows, Peter and Mary Jane, so fun. He's like, wait, you guys, 
it worked out. This is what happened. It's great. Or talking with our Miles and him actually being like, that's a cool costume. I know a Miles. (laughs) Maybe I could have a costume for him. Uh, You know, like, look, if you have played through the game, there is in this issue a spider cop moment that is terrific and means a ton for us who've, who've played and love the game. I cannot wait for this to wrap up as one big story. Oh, yeah. Next up is Spider-Man Enter the Spider-Verse number one. Uh, it is written by Ralph Macchio with art by Flaviano, colors by Eric Arciniega, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. My word for this issue is... Uh... <laughs> this is your game. <laughs> yeah. My word... Well, I know what I want to say, but it's three words instead of one. Okay, I'm going to say... Uh... You'll find out later with no spaces in there. And I'm going to come back to what I'm referring to in the future in a few books that I'm going to cover a little bit later. Uh, This is kind of essentially like a perfect primer for Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse because it introduces these characters in a really unique way. It introduces the dynamics going on between the likes of Ghost Spider, Spider Spider-Gwen, Miles, Peter... Spider-Ham, which I love the spotlight that it gets here. It is really interesting because, for me, this is kind of like Spider-Geddon-esque. Is what-esque? Spider-Geddon-esque. And I love that because it is this team-up. It is kind of this multiversal team-up going up against a bunch of villains, uh, which is awesome, including a unique take on the Sinister Six, which I love. In the back of this issue, we get uh, a, a it's a it's a nice old uh, Miles tale, and it's one written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by Sarah Pichelli, inking assists by Gaetano Carlucci, colors by Justin Ponser, letters by VCs Corpetti, and again, it's another great character intro for Miles, for his vibe, for Ganky, and his entire kind of unique corner of Brooklyn and New York City and everything. But also, it's really great to see him have some awesome heroic moments in here this spider-verse story is a great one and uh it is not tied to any films or anything like that it's just continuity wise just look at it as a fun tale with the characters that he mentioned yeah also spider-punk and uh ralph he worked at marvel for like over 30 years written and edited tons and tons of books he is not the karate kid (laughs) just gotta make sure i say that yep next book is star wars number 57 my word for this is gothic uh, mm. because of the cover. You know, I wondered if we would have, because I had a word in mind for this, and I wondered, I was like, for a half second there, I was like, oh, can, can we be thinking of the same thing? Mine would be Rivendell. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, keep going. I can see that too. Yeah. Then it is written by Kieran Gillen, art by Angel Unzueta, colors by Guru Effects, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. But I got to say, alert, alert, mm-hmm. alert, sexy, shirtless, Han Solo, yeah. alert, alert, <laughs> alert. And I like showed it to Elizabeth, my wife, and yeah. she was like, ooh, let me see. I was like, no, you can't read this. I'm reading this right now. It is terrific. In this scene, Leia sees him, and she blushes, and it's the art is so good. It's so fun. Angel worked on the Poe Dameron book. He's damn good with detailed art, really nailing the looks of the people we know in our Star Wars mm-hmm. stories, which is really you know important for keeping that visual mental continuity the crew they're stranded on a planet that seems pretty great i like the mysteries and the suspicions that kieran is tossing around in this issue i'm very intrigued but sexy shirtless han yeah get ready that's what it's all about Mm -hmm. totally agree next book is tony stark iron man number six the story is by dan slot with a script by jeremy whitley and dan slot cool to see jeremy involved here with art by Valerio Schiti, colors by Edgar Delgado, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. My word for this is reality, because it's all up for debate here. Essentially, Tony and Stark Enterprises have come up with this virtual reality kind of universe called the Escape, or the Escape, which is really cool. And to see the real world kind of jumping back and forth between these different places is really, really fun. Tony uses it for his own reasons. The rest of the world is using it and getting involved and everyone's kind of going nuts for it. It's like the latest technological craze. But what's really interesting why I say the word reality is because the lines get blurred. This is kind of such a unique 
an interesting spin on a Tony Stark story because you think of Iron Man, you think of Tony Stark, you just think of kind of superheroics, you know, in a metal suit and you think of it with the Tony flair and you think of it in that way. But to explore the technological side of this hero and his work and his company and what that means is really, really interesting, especially on a, on a real societal human level. But I also just want to say specifically about the escape. It's so much fun to have that, kind of threshold here is specifically in a comic book because it just creates this very defined space where it's like, okay, we're entering this other place and it has a totally unique, different visual style and feel. And uh, you can really feel that in, in a lot of different ways. And Valerio Skidi, of course, crushes it. Uh, so Valerio yeah. seems like he's having such a good time. Totally. Like you can tell he's having fun. Yeah. Which is great yeah this issue has machine man playing a janelle monet song <laughs> for jocasta say anything boombox style which is great love that so much i want to point out one thing you said you were talking about tony stark's style and, and pomp and all this mm -hmm. stuff but you said tony stark flair yeah and so in my head i pictured rick flair Whoa. the wrestler and tony stark warped together <laughs> so you've got styling profiling mustachioed Big robe wearing professional wrestler yeah. Iron Man. Oh, in my head now, Ric Flair, Iron Man, Tony Stark, Flair, aka the Technology Boy. Oh boy, <laughs> it's right in itself. So good. All right, next book is Uncanny X Men number two. Remember, this is weekly. So first issue came out last week. Boom, we are rolling. And my word for this is coffee. Hmm, coffee. It is written by Ed Brisson, Matthew Rosenberg, and Kelly Thompson with art by Arby Silva, Adriano De Benedetto, and colors by Rochelle Rosenberg with VCs Joe Caramagna on the letters. Yeah, I, I say coffee because there's one thing I really love in this, something that Arby does, Arby Silva does, you know, building on a scene and, and putting things together. And it's just, instead of just having people just standing there, he finds things for them to do. It's simple, little minor things. But a bunch of them are just like drinking coffee and they're not just like standing there like robot holding a cup of coffee, it's, you know, throwing it back or, you know, stirring it. Like just little human things that add a lot to characters who could have just been drawn out of it. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't even need to be in that shot, but they're there and it's a living, breathing world. I think that's something really special that uh, an artist of Arby's stature brings to this. But Jimmy Madrox is the multiple man. His mutant power is to multiple, multiplicate, multiplicity. Yeah. Multiplic I mean, there are very, very many multiple men yeah. at this point. Yeah, he is multiplying so much into these duplicates. But in this issue, the dupes have other powers like laser blasts and more. And they are swarming and confused and frantic. It's really intense. But it's got dinosaurs and other animals that were previously thought extinct they're up in here they bring up a few questions i will say i don't like the idea of x-men killing dinosaurs yeah. even to save people like those sure those dinosaurs didn't ask to be there yeah they're just like hey man oh, what's going on man <laughs> and look if there's a good place to have them it would be montana yeah just let them roam yeah okay next up is weapon h number 10 it's written by Greg Pak with art by uh, Guiu Villanova, colors by Murray Hallowell, and letters by VCs Joe Carmania. My word for this is Morgana. Okay, bear with me here. When I think of Morgan Le Fay, who is the big bad in this issue in the story going on right now, for some reason, just it kind of flashed to me when I was reading, there's a thing called Fata Morgana. Okay, this is a fun Marvel's pull list fact right here. You can hashtag that. Fata Morgana is a mirage. It is a trick of the eye that occurs with ships on the horizon. When a ship is kind of disappearing over the horizon, the idea with what happens with something called Fata Morgana is it looks like the ship is actually hovering above the horizon, which is really cool. I say all of that because one, it made me think of it, and I think that's a fun fact. Two, because as with any story that goes on with Morgan Le Fay, it is just kind of like warping reality, warping everything that we know. She is maybe the most powerful sorceress around. And to see her contrasted with Weapon H 
is so much fun. I always love to see that. I always love to see these kind of blood and guts characters or books that are like normally on a much more kind of visceral level, much more real world punch them up level. And to see that uh, go up against these more supernatural mystic threats, it's always a really, really cool thing to see how those characters respond in that way, because in a way they can often just be kind of like swinging at nothing. And I love the the kind of almost a kind of meta narrative going on here of like Clayton being broken down back into Clayton. But then the man becoming the monster, becoming the weapon is really, really cool. And to see that all harnessed by this awesome supervillain just works so well and I think it's a really cool combo of everything like this but my word isn't combo I think uh, this is a, a really really cool character turn and story turn overall for Weapon Age the what is it Fata Morgana Fata Morgana is like a trick of the horizon yes so because of the earth and its shape and yeah. light and yeah yeah exactly yeah. I wonder what flat earth believers <laughs> think about that oh man Hey, if there are any of you out there, we love you. Let us Get know. in touch. Curious. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always interested to hear what people think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The idea is totally a solid thought until you get to Fata Morgana. Then it all crumbles. <laughs> That's the point <laughs> at which- We've cracked it. Yeah. <laughs> We've cracked it. <laughs> yeah. I want to uh, send you that Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> Up next is Weapon X number 26 or Weapon X Force number 26, written by- Greg Pak and Fred Van Lenti, art by Luca Pizzari and Roberto Di Salvo, colors by Frank Darmada, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna, and the word I have is plump. Ooh, interesting. I don't know why. Interesting. It's just there. Yeah. Plump, like a blood bag. Ooh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Things turned real quickly. But this issue has Marduk Curios, who is maybe a demon, maybe the devil, depending on how you look at it. But Marduk is actually the father of Damon Hellstrom and I believe also Satana. And, you know, Marduk is in here. He's also a stylish hell dude. And he's just like, hey, I'm down here. I'm going to look that's good. That's such a funny thing. Like, if you're a hell dude, you probably are a super sharp dresser. I don't know why that's a thing. Like, you got, like, a great snappy look. You're looking real fresh. I don't know. What is it about? People just don't trust a... Uh, Sharp dresser in that way. The first few pages of this are spent torturing Sabretooth in his own kind of hell, and it is disturbing and sad and darkly funny in mm-hmm. some ways. Mm-hmm. But we really get into a lot of Sabretooth psychology and, and guilt and, and sadness here, mm-hmm. which is, you know, an interesting place to play in. Totally. Next book this week is Web of Venom Carnageborn number one. And it's my second pick of the week. Oh, yeah. It's written by Donny Cates with art by Danilo S. Beirut, colors by Chris Peter, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. The word I'll give for this one is occult. Again, some call it on the nose. Others call it just truthful. (laughs) Uh, Get into it. Yeah. Look, if you have no idea what Carnage is all about, boom, you get his origin, his births and deaths and rebirths, and also crimson bloody look at his awfulness throughout if you're a carnage fan who's somehow not reading venom this sets up all the mythology of the main title gives you everything you need to know but the fascinating thing about it is it is not redundant for anyone it is completely fresh but it feels natural to part of the big story that donnie and ryan and the crew are or Ryan Stegman and the, the rest of the Venom crew are telling. It just fits in so well. There's a, like a last page of like a bunch of different things happening. And you're just like, oh, so that counts. That right. thing happened. That right. matters. That is part of the story. I think that is a very powerful thing because I know I am a lifelong reader. So many of, of you listening have been reading for years and you want the stories to count. I understand that. I think there's validity in that. I also think there's an importance and a validity in saying it's okay for a story to just be a story if it's telling a good story. Mm-hmm. But you can get a book like this, which is a great story, and it it hugs you and brings you into everything you love about comics and says, we're with you. We're on this journey. Here, let's keep moving forward. There's something that I am constantly thinking about when it comes to like the job description of a writer, because in my mind, I mean, there's certainly a million ways to, to break it down and think about it. But for me, it, it kind of can be 
there's kind of two jobs of a writer, and and one of which is writing dialogue and putting words on a page and and going page one, page two, page twenty, uh, and and that kind of granular level of writing and storytelling. And then the other side of it for me is ideating and these big creative concepts and bringing those to life and just sitting in a room not with your pencil on a piece of paper but just kind of thinking and just saying wouldn't it be cool if and then bringing that into to what i was saying with kind of actually making it real and dialogue and character and things like that the carnage born uh, is such a great title in that way because uh it is a birth it's a rebirth it's a lot of different things but uh what it is it's just it feels new it feels fresh it feels so perfect for this point in time and everything that's happening in in the books that donnie's writing but then in the larger marvel universe as a whole yeah also want to make sure i give a shout out to Danello's art there's vibes of john romita jr and wills portacio dark horror messed up monsters so much more it is dope oh yeah last book of the week is West Coast Avengers number four. It's my second pick of the week. Yeah, it sure is. And my word is humble pot. Whoa. I, I, can't, I can't even... See, I feel like well, this has been a very revealing episode. Mm-hmm. One, I would just like to say before getting into this book, I totally regret doing this because over the course of this, this audio experience, you will have realized that I am totally bad at this one-word summation because I just end up saying something very literal. You are... Something much more kind of instinctual and just a, a vibe, a feeling. Can you elaborate on that? Before? Nope. Okay, awesome. Well, all right. Well, yeah. Well, okay, who's the creative team then? <laughs> <laughs> uh, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Stefano Caselli, colors by Triona Farrell, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Look, you let me make up words if I wanted hey, to. I am I, abiding no, by hey, your rules. Totally. Hey, I asked for the creative team because that's something I can relate to. It's very literal. In my personal life, sometimes my friends have referred to me as robot man, um, semi-pejoratively. These your friends? <laughs> Great question. Uh, I'm going to direct them to minute, whatever minute this is, the podcast. But West Coast Avengers, number four. I am such a mega fan of Kelly Thompson, everything she does. And I think Brodock as a villain is so, like, perfect like in the best way atypical of a kelly thompson story because you hate him but you also love to hate him and you also kind of love him a little bit uh yeah i know in this story he's a real jerk he has uh you know in a fit of jealous rage or something turned kate bishop into a giant hawk woman it is so fun and specific to see a character like kate bishop who Kelly knows maybe better than anyone else uh, in terms of characters put into this place and this position and you know to see just like Kate Bishop who is normally so casual and you know full snark and fun be reduced to just like squawk like that yeah (laughs) like those are her inputs and you could kind of we just know this character and love it so much that we can feel what Kate would really be saying in these situations. It's all so much fun. And hey, this is the Jimmy Kimmel live issue. That is so much fun. It is kind of harkens back to an old issue back from decades ago where another Avengers team ended up on another talk show. But yeah, this is such, you know, that is really perfectly kind of the best summation of this is just like this is the team that would end up on a comedy late night talk show because, you know, it just works. Yeah. This was almost one of my picks of the week. You you took it, uh, which I'm very glad you did. But this series is damn near perfect for me. It's got very punchy, funny, quick, natural dialogue. Big Godzilla-sized monsters. Mm-hmm. A Godzilla reference. <laughs> Modoc, Wild big action. And just the most fantastic art. Totally. Elsewhere on collections on sale, we have Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows Volume 4. Are you okay, Annie? What I love about the Spider-Office and the writers, uh, like Jody and everybody, yeah. they have used this joke so many times <laughs> within the pages. I think Peter says that line yeah. three or four times. It's so like delightfully ham-fisted. And then they use it as the, the title <laughs> of the collection. Yeah. So good. We also have Immortal Hulk Volume 1. Or is he both? Get it. If there is a one title that I, I was reading this issue this weekend and I was just like, 
crazed about yeah. it. My wife said, what are you reading? I'm like, Immortal Hulk. She's like, I haven't read any issues. Like, I know. I forgot to put them in your stack. <laughs> yeah. You'll get them all in one story. Yeah, yeah. But it's so good. Volume one, collection. This is the book to get. Totally. We also have Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, volume four, Coming Home, Silver Surfer by Slot and All Red, Omnibus and Hardcover, Spidey, School's Out, and Venom by Donny Cates, volume one, Rex. Another great one. Yeah. So many good books. Let's see. On the Marvel app this week, there's a cool 65th anniversary special and a bunch more, plus lots of digital collections, Armor Wars 2, and a bunch more. We'll have the full list for you on the website. Then we go to Marvel Unlimited. Uh, so there's a really neat story, this Marvel TV Galactus, the real story, if I recall correctly, is written by one Frank Thierry, and it's just as if there was a TV station saying that Galactus was a hoax and the the Marvels are a hoax. And it's really interesting, really funny, very quippy. There's classic old stuff like 50s uh, war comic called Battlefield. We're adding a bunch of issues of that to it. There's a Morlocks book. Uh, and we talked about this, I believe, last week with Ruins, book I highly suggested. It is now in Marvel Unlimited. Mm. So you got to read it. Ruins is cool. You're going to be sad and grossed out. Oh, it's great. Nice. Yeah. Check that out. Check out all these books. Tucker will put everything on the new story, and it'll be terrific. What's your word for this whole episode? Splendiferous. My word is episode. <laughs> some some call it on the nose. Others call it episode. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> well, if you are celebrating Thanksgiving, <laughs> I hope you have a great one and a safe one and a happy one. Tucker, where are you going for Thanksgiving? Uh, I am going to my lovely small girlfriend's parents' house. We'll be like enjoying- Small, like six inches? She is a Polly Pocket sized human being. Oh. Um, yeah, for some wonderful Dominican food. Dominican Ooh, Thanksgiving. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. I'm going to go see my mom and oh, yeah. we'll all have a great time. And it is terrific. We'll see you with another episode next week. I'm Ryan. And I'm Tucker. And this is Marvel. Your universe.